Nine podcasts. Change happens in two ways, gradually, then suddenly. And welcome to television. What is a personal computer? It is called internet. It's called the blockchain. Radically altered the way that we work. Green hydrogen is a huge opportunity. How you can use trends to stay ahead of the curve. The future's going to be great. Don't worry about it. Welcome to Megatrends. I'm Sam Stove. And in the final episode of our look at the smart cities of the future we have to acknowledge a problem with our cities of the present. Or problems, plural, I should say. Because there's a few. Overcrowding, pollution, traffic congestion, housing shortages, urban sprawl, lack of green space, economic inequality, disaster resilience, lack of public transport infrastructure, rising sea levels, waste and recycling, water, climate change. But these issues, and then some, must be cast in the shadow of what's looming. Massive population growth. Australia's population will swell by 10 million people to 35.9 million by the year 2050. And globally, expect 2 billion more people on the planet by the middle of the century. And almost every one of those 2 billion people will live in a city. So, how are we going to fit them all in? Really, we've got two options. Fix up, improve and expand upon the cities we've already got. Or build some new ones from scratch. As far as building new cities go, we can take some comfort from the fact that humans have built cities for millennia, from Athens and Rome in antiquity to megacities like London, New York, Shanghai, Sydney. There are modern metropolises that sprung out of the desert like Dubai, and then there's a host of purpose-built capitals like Canberra or Brasilia. And we can add a new addition to this subset, Nusantara, set to become the brand new capital of Indonesia. So welcome to Wonderland Indonesia, the sacred Nusantara. Jakarta, the current capital, is overcrowded and, more importantly, sinking at a rate of about 15 centimetres a year. And that is not ideal. The solution? Build a new capital on the island of Borneo. It's a flagship project of Indonesian President Joko Widodo and construction started back in 2022. The vision boasts a clean, green, forest-adjacent smart city with 80% of mobility coming from public transport, cycling or walking, all of its energy drawn from renewable sources and 10% of its total area allocated for producing its own food. It'll be mostly government buildings to begin with, but over time, it's expected that 1.9 million Indonesians will live there. The problems? Well, for starters, the site was rugged jungle until the first sod was turned, and it's a pretty big ask for people to move from hustling, bustling Jakarta to, quite literally, the middle of nowhere. Also, the Indonesian government has precisely zero experience building brand new cities from scratch on remote greenfield sites. And then there's the cost. The Indonesian government is stumping up $45 billion to cover just 20% of the total cost. And, surprise, surprise, it's struggling to find private investors to chip in the remainder for all of the reasons cited and then some. In short, the risk of failure on this project is, as one expert put it, extraordinarily high. OK, but what happens when a motivated government wants to build a new city and actually has the money to pay for it? Well you end up with this. For too long, humanity has existed within dysfunctional and polluted cities that ignore nature. Now, a revolution in civilization is taking place. You might have seen these mysterious 
Blade Runner type ads popping up on your socials. There was a pretty heavy push last year. And when I first saw the ads, I had to do a deep dive to figure out whether this was actually true or whether the West was being hoodwinked by a Saudi Arabian version of punked. The Lions communities are organized in three dimensions. Residents have access to all their daily needs within five-minute walk neighborhoods. It is true, I can confirm. The line, as it's known, is real. Construction is kind of underway. And it is a key element of Saudi Arabian Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's desert dream called Neom, which involves turning an expanse of mountainous desert land on a Saudi Arabian peninsula roughly the size of Belgium into a futuristic, fantastical, high-tech, urban, hyper-mega-something-or-other. It's plan for the world beyond oil. The city that delivers new wonders for the world. With a starting budget of 500 billion US dollars and the Crown Prince's personally stated enthusiasm for sci-fi and cyberpunk, Neom's key feature is this line, a linear city, a corridor, a channel... That's 170 kilometres long, 500 metres high, and at no point is it more than 200 metres wide. It is the longest, skinniest city ever known to man. There are no cars, no streets, no carbon emissions, just giant mirrored glass walls stretching as far as the eye can see. There are high-speed trains and high-tech everything else, a ski resort a man-made lake jutting out of a mountain, an octagon-shaped floating city, and nine million Saudis expected to call it home. It's certainly one way to deal with urban sprawl, and it's an idea that humans have, in fact, kicked around for quite a while. Chat about these linear cities first popped up in the late 19th century, when people were thinking about how to better utilise tram tracks. The problems, I mean, where do you even begin? It is in the desert, for starters, with virtually no rainfall whatsoever and temperatures hovering around 40 degrees for about half the year. So what do you think happens if you install two 170-kilometre-long, 500-metre-high mirrors? Then there are 20,000 members of Indigenous tribes who will be displaced by the build, and the last time I checked... The flying taxis and artificial moons and floating cities you see in all of the advertising, that doesn't exist yet. Certainly not outside of a Hollywood film set where the idea for the line quite obviously came from. The city that delivers new wonders for the world. So, will we actually see this thing built? I mean, almost every part of me wants to say, no way, get real, of course not. I mean, the Saudi landscape is already littered with failed or abandoned mega-projects, and this one is utterly absurd and borderline impossible. And yet, 100 years ago, Saudi Arabia was the poorest country in the world. Until one day, thick black stuff started oozing out of its ground, transforming its future and its fortunes. And now it's the 27th richest country in the world. So maybe their definition of what's possible or impossible differs somewhat from mine. And if you head across the Gulf to Dubai, everybody laughed and bagged them and didn't believe them when they revealed their plans to assemble dozens of man-made islands into a palm tree until they went out and built two of them. Look, building cities is just what humans do, but over time, our needs have become a little more complex and the problems we face more numerous and more intense and the time frame to get it all done more urgent. And so we make emotional, expensive decisions like building new cities on remote jungle islands, 
or carving out narrow channels across desert peninsulas accessible only by hoverboards or whatever. And if we bring our focus back home for a moment, we've got major problems of our own to contend with. Granted, Canberra isn't sinking, but no Australian city has a long-term vision for living sustainably. And in a country our size, while it's a ridiculous thing to admit, we don't have anywhere to house everyone. We could build cities in the vast expanses of our interior, but we don't. Instead, nearly two-thirds of all migrants settle in Sydney and Melbourne, two cities that are already struggling under their own weight. And so it really does beg the question, if building cities is just what humans do, isn't it about time we found a new way to do it? What if our future cities aren't built by the warm, emotional hands of humans, but rather by the cold, calculated assessments of machines, artificial intelligence. We cannot continue building the way we built by using the same amount of resources. There are not enough resources on planet Earth to continue building the same way we do at the moment. We cannot produce that amount of waste. We emit too much carbon. At the same time, we are delivering projects quite often not on budget, not on time, and not for the benefit of the communities. An, an intelligent city system um, enabled through AI should address and should pick up these problems. That's Associate Professor Hank Hausler. He's the Deputy Director of the AI Institute at the University of New South Wales. We're going to hear a little bit more after the break. At the risk of sounding like I work for one of the big four consulting firms, complex problems require data-driven solutions. And making our cities more livable, more sustainable and more resilient, that's a textbook complex problem. But are we, you and me, humans, are we really the best candidates for coming up with the data-driven solution? Humans are not good in crunching through vast amount of data and numbers. We don't have the capacity. I think the Stone Age, there was never an accountant around, so evolutionary, we have not been evolved to deal with numbers. Computers love numbers. That's what they're really good at. That's Associate Professor Hank Hausler. He's the Deputy Director of the AI Institute at the University of New South Wales. Usually my line in the taxi to say I'm teaching architecture and computer science. Where humans do excel are at things like creativity, abstract thinking, ethics and aesthetics and emotions and other deeply human and philosophical concepts. Those are best left to you and me. Because it's very, very hard to explain what ethics and aesthetics is to other humans and it's even harder to a computer who don't really understand any grey sounds you have to be very precise on a computer and so when it comes to artificial intelligence capabilities we have this spectrum where on one end we've got doing vast amounts of maths and number crunching and on the other end is feeling empathy and morality and all that stuff so where does urban planning and city design sit on that spectrum everything you see in your room is geometry like, you know, your table, your window, your door can be geometrically defined. If you can define it geometrically, you can explain it to a computer because a computer only understands maths. And if a computer understands it, you can program it and you can do a lot of amazing things with the computer. And so we can computationally define what a city looks like, the shape of its buildings, its roads, its natural features. We can also define how its population behaves because we're living in the era of big data, as we touched on in the last episode, where a monumental amount of sensors are sampling our environment and our behaviour. I think every day produce more data than we ever produced before. Sensor data from your phone, sensor data from cameras and traffic, um, temperature data, weather data, opal data, you name it. Um, 
that's the, the 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 oil that probably keeps the second machine age running. But what about laws and regulations and building codes and the layer upon layer upon layer of rules that govern our civilized cities? For mine, these sit at the morality and ethical end of that spectrum. The things that computers typically aren't very good at understanding. But but to make sense what the regulations are, to interpret the regulations, that's still a step harder, but we're getting better and better with that. AI language algorithms like ChatGPT, which by now many of us have become quite familiar with, these allow humans to interact with computers using natural human language. And this is a major breakthrough, being able to talk to machines. These powerful machine learning algorithms translate English into terms it understands into geometric language, into computational data. So, for example, you could use now ChatGDP um, with a piece of text and say, out of the piece of text, can you write me a Python script, uh, a programming script or a JavaScript? So that's possible. So I think um, the computer's getting better better to understand what the city is. And if a computer can understand it, you can program it. And if you can program it, you can put it to work and bring it on board as a partner to help us solve the myriad of major problems we humans face when it comes to making our cities more resilient, more sustainable, more livable for more people. This is how artificial intelligence stands to revolutionise urban planning. AI now speaks our language so we can tell it all about our problems, namely... The six things that I think are important to change um, you know, in sustainability, waste, resource use, carbon emission, time, budget, benefit of the community. So if you can then look into what you really could do, well, you could argue that you could use AI for specific addressing these problems. So what does all of this actually look like in the real world? What is the practical application? Well, imagine for a moment an orchestra. And this orchestra is set to perform on the world stage, say, at the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. You send the musicians the sheet music, you tell them to meet you backstage 15 minutes before the show, but you do not book in a single rehearsal session. Nothing. No practice, no dress rehearsal, nothing. Just rock up, do it live. How do you think that would turn out? It would be a disaster. But we do exactly that for every building project. You know, every building project somehow is new. We've never tried, never tested it. And let's say that sounds like a good idea. Let's bring the shuffle and start digging a hole. And we've got no idea how to build it and to do it. And we've got a wonderful example here in Sydney, the Sydney Opera House, where the construction started with not really knowing how we can build it. And we covered the cost for the consequences with delays, with budget overruns and, you know, um, kicking Jon Utzon out of the country. Booting Jon Utzon out of the country is a point of national shame, but in a parallel universe where Utzon had artificial intelligence at his disposal, maybe it could have been avoided. I think what artificial intelligence could help you as well is a digital rehearsal. Before you build something, you could use AI and computation to simulate everything. And then you can iron out all the problems in terms of cost or budget delay or carbon. Now, I want you to take this concept and zoom out and layer it over the entire city, from the ferries and freighters on the harbour to the traffic buzzing up and down the M whatever. Digital representation of the skyscrapers, the low-rise developments, the sprawling outer urban housing developments, infrastructure, weather patterns, flight paths, floodplains. 
It is a city mirrored in the virtual world. That is a digital twin city. It is a meticulous, data-driven clone of our urban spaces, echoing everything from the sewer lines to the streetlights. This doppelganger lets city planners use AI to experiment, predict and strategize without stirring a single stone in the real world. So that is all possible. It's all computation, AI in the background. And we want to use these things to support sustainable goals. Take housing, for example. We are in the grips of a national housing crisis. And part of the problem is that we are not building enough houses quickly enough. Developers, they're reluctant to dive headfirst into developing new areas unless it's crystal clear they'll make a buck. Well, if you live closer to a school or closer to a train station, then your property price goes up so that the, the piece of land that you, you build on has a greater value. An AI-powered digital twin city could run a live simulation of this exact scenario. Pick a spot on a map in a city and ask it to model the economic value of developing housing at this very location with all of the surrounding amenities and economic factors. And using machine learning for that to forecasting information, what land values could be and what kind of you know type of typology and density you might want to have in order to um, enable some revenue. The application of artificial intelligence means that this type of modelling is profoundly sped up and streamlined, meaning complex economic answers are derived in hours, not months or even years. It is a clone of a city that's constantly analysing itself, crunching its own data and spitting out useful recommendations and insights that leads to better decision-making. And who knows, maybe even cheaper houses. I think a better city would address, you know, a sustainable city that meets the requirements of your citizens on budget, on time, and being mindful and resources. And I think an, an intelligent city system um, enabled through AI should address and should pick up these problems, not optimizing the city to some metrics, but I'm really enabling that we still can live in cities uh, and we've got sustainable cities for the future. Okay, so in this union of artificial intelligence and cities, ethical concerns, well, they are everywhere. Privacy stands front and centre. How do we balance the benefits of data collection with our right to privacy? How is this data protected and who has access? The risk of the big brotherfication of society is a real one. There's also the risk of AI bias, where algorithms unintentionally favour or discriminate against certain groups. And let's not forget about job displacement due to automation. Plus, there's the question of accountability. If an AI system fails and causes harm, who's responsible? Then there's the issue of digital divides, where access to smart city benefits could be skewed towards the tech-savvy and the rich, leaving others behind. It is a hotbed of issues that policymakers and the public must address right now, or else we risk having this critical technology turn into a dystopian mess. Something like social media, where we didn't get the rules right early on and we are suffering the consequences now. But at the end of the day, I think it's clear that artificial intelligence is going to help us future-proof our present cities without having to go to extremes, like relocating Canberra to Flinders Island or living in a floating cabin slashed into the Simpson Desert. Ultimately, artificial intelligence is a tool, not some sort of computational overlord. We put it to work doing what it excels at, recognising patterns and making predictions and performing repetitive tasks efficiently, without forgetting, without getting distracted, without getting tired. It will translate the unthinkable amounts of data that we are gathering and turn them into practical insights. 
And what we do with those insights is up to us. We can use it to solve the problems that we have so far proven incapable of solving, to make our cities more resilient, more sustainable, more livable for more people. And who knows? After crunching the data, maybe we will all end up living in 170-kilometre glass mirrors. The city that delivers new wonders for the world. I hear the Wi-Fi is pretty fast. Big thanks to Associate Professor Hank Hausler from the University of New South Wales AI Institute. I'll catch you soon.